you know, this is Manchester United, Boot Vag Horse is being sold, and then you go online and, and it seems to be like, this is a good thing. You're like, it's not. Please stop telling me this is a good thing. It's not. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Simon Delaney, welcome back to the show. Morning, how are we? How are you getting on? Yeah, very good. You're a bit better than the last time we were chatting to you. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit of a, a different six months for United, all right, this time. And I meant Adrian. more from a, a health point of view from your side. You're feeling a bit... Uh, yeah, I think oh, yes, I had the lurgy, yes. Yeah, well, I've, I've rid myself of that and I'm back amongst the community back. now, thank God. Well, uh, and we need to get on to how great United are at the minute, of course. Tell us, first of all, the Civic Theatre, uh, Sunday, it's in Tala. What's happening? Yeah, so we've got uh, the Red Devils Road Show, which is a show that I put together with uh, football journalist Tom McDermott, who's uh, Manchester based, has been covering United for years. We've been pals for years. And um, we came uh, up with this notion about six months ago. Lucky enough, we didn't put the show on six months ago because I think it would have been a very different vibe in the theatre tomorrow if we had. Mm. But uh, the idea was that it was a group, we could put together a group therapy session for United fans because I have a WhatsApp group with them. Various, <clears throat> excuse me, United fans, the celebs and mates, and that innocent. Over the last sort of six, seven years that the group's been running, it has been the therapy group. Uh, so we decided we we might try and share that with the rest of the United fans out there. So we put together this two-hour show. We've got former players coming on. We've got uh, Al Foran, a big United fan. He's going to be on the show too, and then we're going to talk about. You know what? One thing that I wanted to talk about, Adrian, was the connection between United and Ireland. <clears throat> you know, why does a club in the northwest of England have such a big support here? And we look at that. And I was lucky enough a couple of years ago to do a documentary for MUTV, which looked into that question. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to pick our best uh, all-time United 11s. We're going to pick our worst all-time United 11. Uh, we're going to ask the audience to do the same. We're going to have a Q&A with the audience, talk about the current situation, the current crop, the players, the transfer market, which of course is open. And of course, we're on the day after the Manchester Derby. So yeah. we'll celebrate that goes. <laughs> I, I think we could be. I what, think we could what, be. Before, before we go down that path, what was your major conclusion about the Irish connection? Was it to do with the Giles and the pre-Giles, the player side? Was it a success or what was your conclusion on it? It's, it's, it's a lot of things. I mean, I, I toured around Ireland in the UK interviewing various people for, the, for that documentary and, you know, it opened my eyes as a United fan to, you know, <laughs> like a lot of United fans don't don't think football existed before 1992, which of course it did. Um, but it was things like the Munich air disaster, um, <clears throat> you know, which obviously had some Irish involvement in that. Liam Whelan uh, was one of the players who was killed. He scored 52 goals uh, in the season before the Munich air disaster. He was quite the player. Um, and his funeral uh, back in Dublin, there were, I think it was 300,000 people on the streets. Uh, you know, that that kind of connection. Then it goes back to emigration as well. You know, when the Irish left here, they went to London, to Liverpool, to Manchester, uh, and a lot of the uh, Irish <clears throat> ended up working on the railways in Manchester. And the Lancashire uh, Railways had a football team, which then became Newton Heath, which then became Manchester United. So they've had support right the way through and and one of the other things I did in the show was I tried to come up with a United made up exclusively of Irish players <laughs> that was my challenge and uh, I did and I picked a United team made up ex- solely of of, United, of Irish players and it's a team that could win the World Cup let alone win the Premier League it's a super team um, but we went back and discovered that the first player who played for United which was back in 
the late 1890s, a guy called John Pedden from Belfast. Uh, it was a fascinating look at why the connection is so strong between United and Ireland. So we're going to be talking about that as well as the current state of the club. If you need to grab a drink of water, by the way, go for it. I've just done the same thing myself here. I have my cup of tea. You have your cup of good tea. Man. Good, good man. Um, uh, do you have that team in front of you? <clears throat> the United Irish yeah, 11. Yeah. I can probably remember off by heart. It's Harry Gregg in goal. Uh, Moran and McGrath, centre-half, uh, right-back Dennis Irwin, left-back uh, Tony Dunn, and then a three-man midfield of Keane, Sammy McElroy, and uh, Norman Whiteside, and up front then George Best and Frank Stapleton. It's not a bad team, is it? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Who are we leaving on the cutting room floor? That's off yeah, the charts. There's a lot of people on the John bench. Like John is on the bench. John, John O'Shea. O'Shea um, going goals, even, as a sub for Harry exactly, Gray, maybe. Yeah, exactly. There's a rake of players on the bench, That's but right. it was a serious team. And the great thing about doing the documentary was that I went and I was able I met my heroes like I interviewed Paul McGrath and Kevin Moran and, and, and Norman Whiteside actually was the best one because I, I started the interview with Norman Whiteside by saying Norman the first time I ever cut somebody's photograph out of a newspaper and stuck it in a scrapbook it was his and like, I, I remember the exact moment he, he scored in the semi-final of the FA Cup against Arsenal a cracking left footer volley uh, I think 83 I think it was and he was my he was my man he was my player and uh, so getting to meet him and chat to him about being in the dressing room and, and also talking to Paul McGrath about the, the importance of having other Irish voices in the dressing room when he went over you know um, as he said he was so enamoured and in awe of just the, the phys- physical size of Old Trafford and he said, I remember walking in the dressing room and seeing Brian Robson and thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, there's Brian <laughs> Robson. And, and he said, and he shared digs with Norman White. And he said they didn't always get on because, as he said himself, they were both from different political sides of the tracks. But he said, we eventually became great mates. Um, but he said that was important for him to have that other Irish voice in the dressing room to help him settle in. It's, it might seem like an obvious thing to say, Simon, but even when you're, you know on match days at Old Trafford, uh, and it's the same for Liverpool and other clubs as well. Yeah. But to, the the Irish influence it cannot be understated. How many Irish fans are over there in the pubs and and yeah. he said it before games. It's quite incredible. It is incredible, and it goes. It's the same for Leeds as well. You go to the airport any weekend, you'll see that that makeup of Leeds jerseys, United jerseys, uh, you know, Liverpool jerseys. It is quite staggering, and it all goes back to the same thing. It goes back to emigration, to Irish families going over there, and then it helps them when there's Irish players at the club. I mean, United have always had a strong Irish connection. Not not so much in the recent years, but there's always been a huge uh, Irish influence at the club in terms of the players. And when you're seeing Eamon Dunphy he talks about it in the documentary he talks about you know United fans their connection with Liam Whelan or Billy Whelan as he was known you know he said when you're seeing a fella from your area playing for Manchester United mm. you know it just connects you straight away to it you know uh, but yeah absolutely the airport's packed with the various different jerseys on Saturday mornings it's incredible I know some some people who are who are strictly fans of the League of Ireland and, and don't uh, touch on any teams over in England Sometimes get annoyed and they're like, but Jesus, could you not support yeah. the, the team local to you? But there are, mm. there's a, such a, a massive cohort of fans now who do support their local League of Ireland team <clears> and also <throat> head over to, to England for these matches as well, Simon. 
Of course there are. I mean, I mean, and I mean, my interest in football started with the League of Ireland. My father was a, from Cabaret. He was a big Bowes fan. I, for some reason, ended up as a Shells fan. I can't remember why or how. Probably because my dad was a Bowes fan. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I remember going to Daily Mount and watching the derbies up there and, you know, being lifted over the turnstile because you were too small to push through them yourself and all that. So, you know, the League of Ireland absolutely started my interest and I still keep an eye on Shells results, etc. But look, just because, you know, that argument does my head in when you see it on Twitter you know I bet you've never been to a League of Ireland game well you know I've never been to a basketball game either doesn't mean I don't have I can't like basketball you know what I mean I've never I, I watch American football I've never been to an American football game you're allowed to be a fan of these sports you know what I mean yeah 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 no I'd be with you I'd be with you on that one for sure come here you mentioned the Manchester <coughs> Derby so I have to have it at Old Trafford tomorrow and um, yeah. the, uh, Rio Ferdinand I'm sorry I had to do a double take this morning in some of the papers he's saying that the jury is still out on Eric Ten Hag <sighs> now the jury will be yeah. back obviously if they get the win tomorrow but it sort of felt to me as if the jury was already back and they were pretty happy yeah, no, I, I, I saw you, Shane, mention the whole thing of, you know, put the contract on the table, you know, I mean, it's a bit rich, Rio, coming from it. The jury's not still out. Uh, and and I'm, I'm saying that as a United fan and as someone who talks to United fans all the time, he is the man for the job. There's no question about it. When you've gone one defeat, I think, in 19 now since the last Manchester derby, he's, uh, I think he's turned... Uh, the club around and I don't mean that we're now going to be champions in the next 10 years that's not what I mean what I mean is he's turned the attitude around he's turned the dressing room around he's got rid of most of the toxicity that was in that dressing room there's still a little bit there I think but you know I think what we can all see is that he's the change in the attitude towards discipline and attitude. Uh, you know, you turn up late for a meeting. He had it with Garnacho, you know, last year. He did it. To, he, he dropped him. Rashford did the same thing. He dropped Rashford. And I like that. I remember Fergie did that back in the day with Beckham. If you remember the famous night that Becker came out of the nightclub in London wearing the sarong. Do you remember that? <laughs> and I think they had a Champions League quarterfinal the next day at Old Trafford. And he didn't just drop him. But he made him come to the ground and sit in the stands and watch the game. Now, these that, they were back in the days when United were so strong, he could leave Beckham out. But, you know, that discipline was there. Now, Fergie had his, you know, falling, falling out with various different players and coaching staff over the years. That comes with that, I think. It's the same with Roy Keane. It's that attitude. It comes with that. And I think Ten Hag has absolutely changed that, that attitude and that atmosphere. And he's changed the style of football. Um, and we're certainly in a better place tomorrow going into the Manchester Derby than we were going into the last one. Um, I would be confident, particularly because City are, they're not firing on all cylinders, you know, um, So I, and the fact that it's all, at Old Trafford, I, I fancy us tomorrow, yeah, hopefully. That attitude question, Simon, is, is, is a big one, I think, because <clears throat> even the, the battle with Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, Ten Hag yeah. came out came out far better uh, than, than Ronaldo did, certainly from that. And even Andy Mitten was on with us during the week, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, under maybe Louis van Gaal, it was, if a player was 20, 30 seconds late for a meeting, there was there was big fines. And it's not yeah. that strict, but at the same mm. time, he's, he's laying down the law in a very simple way. Just break the rules and, and you'll be dropped. And look, he took Rashford on in that game and he ends up yeah, the winner. So exactly. And, and, and it leads to everything else, Shane. You know, it's, it, it's all about attitude. Mm. The, the, and that, that also leads into the type of player that he wants at that club. He wants players who are going to work, who are physically able to do what he wants them to do. I will do a job for him and do a job for the teammates. He doesn't want show ponies. He doesn't want prima donnas. Clearly, he doesn't. Um, 
and I think that leads in that will inform the transfer windows over the next 18, 24 months as to what type of player that come in. Yes, the transfer budget will inform that as well, but I think Ten Hag is very clear on what type of player he wants to bring in. And you hear every manager saying that, and I have a pain in my arse listening to that. Well, we'd only get the right, we'd only get the right player. The player has to be right for us. What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, you know, we're not just going to buy someone willy nilly. Well, obviously you're not. I mean, that's, you know, we only want the player who will fit into what we need to to work in here. I don't get that. But I think it informs those discipline, those disciplinary attitudes. Though, everything leads into a culture at the club because there's no doubt about it. The culture over the previous six years, five, six years was rotten from top to bottom. Now, we've still got the issue of. Um, our lovely absentee parasitic owners who are still uh, sunbathing in Florida. Um, but we're, we're going to talk about that on Sunday as well because Tom, my co-host, is fairly well connected in terms of what's happening with the sale, how likely is it, how soon is it going to happen, who's it going to be, who's going to buy us, because that, again, above anything else, will influence them where we go over the next two to five years. What did you make of the uh, the Vag horse signing? Sounds like he has to be <coughs> registered by, by noon today, I think, to play tomorrow, which you'd yeah. imagine will be. It's, it's an interesting one. Yeah, it is an interesting one. And we were we were talking about that in the WhatsApp group, you know, and a striker is a striker is a striker. Um, and we need bodies. We need warm bodies. You know, we've got a huge fixture congestion pileup coming. We're, we've got big games in the league. We've got the small matter of a quarterfinal uh, against Barca in the Europa League. We've, we're still in two cup competitions. So he needs bodies. He can't be relying on Rashford and um, the most miserable football in the world, Martial, um, to to keep the keep that going. I mean, back in the heyday, you know, when Fergie was at his pump, he had four strikers. He'd Colin York, Sheringham and Solskjaer, and he rotated them throughout the season, and that's how you handled that fixture congestion. I think Veghorst will come in and do a job. Six foot six. His stats are very impressive. Um a goal every two games in Germany. Didn't do it at Burnley, but he was surrounded by Drek at Burnley and they went down. Um, he His pressing stats, now I, I don't go in for all that harsh shit about stats and expected XG. goal. Oh, Jesus Christ. That gives, me, <laughs> that gives me a pain behind me left eye when I see that stack up. I don't know what it means. Like, and my 14-year-old says to me, he's United Mad, what's that mean, Dad? I said, I haven't got a baldy. Not a clue. Um, but Veghor's stats, uh, his pressing stats, are incredible and again that goes back to that's the type of player that Ten Hag wants he wants someone's going to come in and work his nuts off running up and down that pitch and at 6 foot 6 he's going to be a dangerous set pieces and we all saw that at the World Cup uh, against Argentina so I think he'll come in and I think he'll score goals listen he might light the place up but if he scores a half a dozen goals important goals for us over the next 6 months happy days and he's costing you no money it's it's a no brainer for me. Wave goodbye to him in the next window. Um, what <laughs> what about what about um, so obviously in terms of the game tomorrow? Obviously looking at City over the last while, and we were chatting yeah. to an Arsenal reporter earlier on about the anticipation of watching City at the minute because it's yeah. not City of old. And like oddly, and I, I, I'm not suggesting for one second that he's his goals have dried up. Uh, he's just not scoring at the rate that he was before the World Cup. But even Haaland doesn't look like the player that he was. He sort of snatched mm. at a chance against Chelsea there that 10 times out of 10 before the World Cup goes into the back of the net. I, I, maybe uh, maybe I'm trying to offer you faint hope here, but have you, um, what's your sense yeah, of City? 
Well, there's no better opportunity to get your season back on track if you're Haaland than banging in a goal or two yeah. at Old Trafford tomorrow because he, you know, he he clearly that's the that's the game he wants to score in, and he said that when he signed. He said that before he kicked the ball for City. He was asked what what teams he looking forward most to playing, and that's United because of what happened obviously with his dad, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's history there, so that boy will be fired up now. He's coming up against the butcher of Amsterdam. He's going to come up against. Uh, Martinez, who's, who's who will be up to about just past his hip, I'd say, but I wouldn't fancy playing against Martinez. Uh, Martinez is fired up. He came on as a cameo the other night, played well again, even you know for a, a short period of time that he was on. Um, look, obviously every manager goes into a game against City, go and, and ask the question, how do you, how do we deal with Haaland? And then every manager will say, you know, it's not just Haaland. There's ten other players in the pitch. We have to. It's about systems. Uh, I think Ten Hag will have a system. Uh, I think we'll press. I think we'll be happy enough to sit in, and then he'll look for pace on the counter attack with Rashford, with uh, Bruno, with you know whoever he has. If he has Anthony out there, Anthony's a bit worrying me now a bit at the minute. But that's another conversation. So it's not just about keeping Haaland quiet. It's it's keeping that attack quiet. So I think it's going to be a cracking game. I don't think it'll be nil nil. That's for sure. Which are the nil nil draw? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no chance. Which are other hat on have you um did you enjoy the uh banshees of Inish Aaron success and the reaction over the last few days or were you sitting there thinking ah oh, put me in coach put me in <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lord, you know I, I I put my hand up and say I haven't seen the movie yet um but you know obviously it, it's it's incredibly good for the Irish film industry when a movie like that does what it does on the international stage it's done the Golden Globes it'll probably roll through the Baptist now as well and then into the Oscars it will do the Irish film industry absolutely no harm at all. Now, it's very busy at the moment, thank God. There's quite a lot of stuff filming in and around Ardmore and other studio spaces around the country. Up north, I'm currently, currently filming up in Belfast uh, since last October. There's a lot happening here. And things like that, things like an international success, just reminds people, yes, we're here, and also we have cracking tax breaks. If you want to come and spend your dollars here and make your movie. <laughs> we're open for business. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's the uh, Civic Theatre in Tallaght on Sunday. It's the Red Devils Roadshow, and um, you've put up uh, details of that in your social accounts. We've retweeted that, so Magic. if people are looking for it, just head over and check that out. And also, I need to mention by contract, of course, your podcast yeah. with the irrepressible, uh, I don't know what exactly uh, the uh, moniker he should have there, but Aidan Power yeah. as well. Uh, go did Lex, he Lex. tell you to say irrepressible? He did, yeah. He just texted me there and yeah. said, listen, what, what's, yeah, well, what's the best, just, what's the be best honest, thing to come up with? Adrian, he didn't text you. He's not up yet. Let's <laughs> be honest. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Simon, thanks a million. Pleasure as always. A pleasure. Have a great day, guys. OTB with Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.